Oren B. Andy G. How's it going, mate? Good, mate. Look at that moustache on your <laughs> upper platform. <laughs> Look at that. Oh, you got to love it, eh? Look at that. Oh. That is impressive. She's, she's coming along nicely. It I is. can almost twirl the ends up. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you going to do? Because it's almost the end of November. You're growing it for November. Are you going to keep it? Well, the way I look at it is if I keep it, I'll probably end up divorced. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. So fair to say it's been I've, uh, and, and also, to my, in my defence, my defence, I want to do a bit of diving and snorkelling this year. So it's really difficult to get your mask to seal over the top of the hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can so imagine. Thursday night is the 30th. I'll be finalising my donation to the... Um, men's health uh, thing, which is uh, Movember, mm. and then it'll probably be getting shaved off, <laughs> and my wife will probably help me. It will feel <laughs> it will feel insanely strange when it's gone, I reckon. You know what the worst thing is? I'm a bit sunburned at the moment, because <laughs> I was mowing the lawn on the weekend, right. so I'm probably going to have like this white, this horrible white <laughs> moustache that... <laughs> It sits above my lip. <laughs> That'll be great. Yeah, as soon as it strikes midnight. <laughs> yeah. Friday morning, I might be straight up in the shower, shave it off, <laughs> done. <Yeah>. Uh, <laughs> mate, what's in your glass tonight? I am having a wacker changi. I have not tried that. What's what's it like? I went to the booze shop the other day, and I just, I don't know if any other New Zealanders or anyone listening out there has noticed this. I went to the booze shop, and I went to buy my usual beer. Mm which is a Montes, and uh, I noticed they've all put their price up substantially. Well, when I went to get – because I'm on the old um, Max Three Wolves. I quite, oh, yep. quite like the pale ale. Um, I went in there tonight, and it was twenty seven ninety nine for a box of 12. When I got to the checkout, the guy chucked uh, twenty nine ninety nine into the FPOS machine. I was like, no, no. It's twenty seven ninety nine. He's going. He disappeared. I think he was a bit pissed off that I challenged him about charging me too much. <laughs> but he went in and he actually brought the price tag back out with him. So I think it was out there mistakenly. But I was like, no, it's just twenty seven ninety nine. That's what I'm paying. Well, a twelve box of normal Montes now, or even Max, is uh, thirty one ninety nine. Mm. Yep. And I was like, I'm not paying that. I'm going to buy whatever's cheap on special, and that's what I'm drinking from now on. I've now become a I, uh, I'm not a connoisseur of beer anymore. I'm a connoisseur of whatever's the cheapest on the shelf at the time. I'm if I'm under- drinking double brown next time you see me, you know why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> are you sure that moustache is not having some kind of effect on you there, mate? Could be. A couple of the guys that I uh, do work with are now calling me Constable Oren. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I do remember back in the day where you could get a box of 20 Flame, I think it was, for like 20 bucks. So it was like a dollar a bottle. Flame, and Keep it was chips, hey? good beer too, uh, and it was strong beer. Yeah, especially when you're young, it was good. <laughs> and it's not not really a silly move going for the cheapest one, eh? No, nah. well, that's what I mean. Move. Like that was twenty two bucks. Yep. for for a box of twelve cans. Yeah, oh, that's all right. Oh, that's all right. It's yeah. not bad beer. It's all right. Well, because old, old mate, what's his name? Lee Hart. Lee Hart. That's the one. Yeah. So, Lee Hart, mate. Uh, that, that's his company, but he also makes the Wacker Changi chips as well. Yeah. It'd be a good yarn on the podcast. We might have to look into that. Uh, anyway, I, just before we get into it, mate, I do apologise again for being extremely late tonight. I was 30 minutes over time again because the toddler still needs to uh, get to sleep. Um, so, yeah, she's yeah. still... Oh, excuses, excuses, a eh? Full of excuses. <laughs> yeah, for, those, for those that don't know, the toddler still sleeps in our bed. 
And not a, she's not a toddler anymore. She's, oh, how old is she now? She's three. Well, what, 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 <laughs> okay, what is she? A, a little person now. A um, little person. A little person, yeah. But she sleeps in our bed because she just does not sleep in hers, and she never has. And the reason why she ends up in our bed is because we get a night's sleep if she's there. But now we've got yeah. ourselves into this bloody... You know, deep dark hole now where we can't get around. Made a rod for your own back, mate. Made a rod for your own back. (laughs) The old saying. We're gonna. She's she's a little bit sick at the moment. I mean, she's well over it, but she's still got a little bit snotty nose. But she's good. But uh, we'll wait for her to be completely clear once we. Yeah, that's right. Only little one. So I tell you what, mate. uh, Mrs. and I were talking about it the other night, actually, and you know, our our oldest is, you know, Chloe, she's off to high school next year and she's got a year eight leavers dinner coming up in a, in a couple of weeks and she's doing all these final things at school and that and it's kind of like, oh, shit, where did that go? You know, yeah. she's she's now done with primary school and she's yeah. off to high school next year and you think, if they're little like that, mate, enjoy it, embrace it, look, oh, yeah, you but, know, but, have it as much as you can because it's going to be gone before you know it. Hundred percent. Like I'm in the same boat as you because you've got a daughter going to high school next year. So have I. It's like they're not our babies anymore. Like what the what happened? <laughs> How did they mm. grow up so damn fast? Turning into little ladies. They are. But anyway, it's uh, exciting for them. But uh, still. Still can't believe how fast it goes. And and the saying is true, mate, like you just said there. Just savour every moment with them because they grow up quick, then they'll move out, then they don't want anything to do with you <laughs> and they only want you when your credit card's got money. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. She already wants a phone. That was her number one Christmas request. Right. I want a phone. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, our, our 12-year-old's got one and um, we, we think it was massively beneficial to plugging her into some social pipelines in the community because we hadn't long been here when we bought it for her. Yeah. And uh, we think, it, you know, as annoying as that kind of technology is and kids are always on their phones these days, we do control that and um, we don't let it get too excessive. But it has been so good for her friendship circles. Yeah. Yeah, it can be, eh? Yeah. And if they get – I think the problem is nowadays if they don't, sort of stay involved they get left out of it hey so yeah well that's it and uh, you know you think back at the, that that's that's kids these days devices electronics is the way that they socialize you think back to when you and i were kids mate our way of socializing and plugging into pipelines was finding where all the bmx's were and that's where everyone was that's right where everyone was playing bull rush exactly <laughs> it's like just go jump on your bike have a look around if you see a bunch of bmx's outside someone's house that's where the squat is Actually, that's yeah. I remember those days. You go out and you think, "Oh, there's three push bikes out in front of that house." That's where everybody is. Mm. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, anyway, yeah, nice. So let's get into the podcast. We've actually got a special guest on the uh, podcast this time round. He is a commercial pilot, and we're going to be uh, getting, asking him a few questions, uh, just in case we have listeners who who are afraid of flying and they just want to allay that fear a little bit. And I figured, mate, with your history with flying and your love of aviation, I think you two will get on perfectly. Now, this guy, Peter, used to work with me at St. John. He's now gone back to Australia to fly commercially. So uh, we'll get him on the podcast for a yarn just a little bit later on. And he loves a dad joke too, so we'll get him on the dad joke off as well, which is a, a tradio first, actually, with having a guest on the dad joke off. Hopefully he's got some jokes. Has he got some oh, up his sleeve? He's got a lot up his sleeve, mate. I think we're going to enjoy this one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Two, three, four, five, down the tools and up the map. A trainee guy, a radio guy, two best mates chatting on the fly. 
We're musos, we're dads, we're completely the same We'll yarn about anything, it's all fair game One hits nails, and one nails hits We'll review good beers, and just shoot the sh** We're R&B, and Andy G And this is Tradio, Tradio Yes, I was playing the theme on the guitar the other day uh, yesterday, oh, yeah. that was great. I was having a good old sing song. <laughs> I was just because I was just trying to remember the chords actually, because um, it's been a long time since I've actually well since we recorded it. It's been two years, so I just couldn't remember the chords. Yeah, I've got them written down here. Have you, did you not keep a copy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got them. Just trying to bring it up from memory. Uh, my memory's not that great. But I tell you what, though, this year my memory's been fantastic, especially when it's come to Christmas shopping and coming up with some ideas for things to get the kids this year. And my wife and kids—they love shopping at Kmart. And attention, uh, Kmart shoppers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing: like, it's the it's the fucking worst time of year to be working in retail, right? Because oh, fuck, mate. These places, like, these places like, we're opening our doors until midnight. Wait, we lie. We're open 24-7. Yay. And all the workers yeah, yeah. are like, bah, Russia, 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 I'm going to go shopping at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's what I love to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then you get people that do that. Um, Fuck that. <laughs> but anyway, so we went to Kmart a couple of days ago at a local mall in Christchurch and uh, Ashlyn Maldis she had to get a gift for one of her friends because they're doing a secret Santa thing you know they're now in this at this age where they do their own thing right so yep. her and her circle of friends are doing a secret Santa and she thought well she's got her eyes on this thing that she found online through Kmart so we popped in there and she bought it and as we're leaving and she's, she's like sweet I'm so glad that they've got this in stock and she was just over the moon because she's now got her secret Santa gift that she's going to give to her friend who the fuck do we bump into at the shop but her friend that's the secret Santa thing her friend that she's <laughs> buying the secret Santa gift for uh, <laughs> well I mean what are the chances and then we bump into another of her friends as well so, you know, there's just no... Se- you can't go anywhere in this country. There's no secrets. No, that's right, mate. Six degrees of separation. I think in New Zealand it's like four degrees of separation. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. I, I wouldn't doubt that. That'd be a good challenge, actually, to try and um, see if that's the case. But I've got a secret centre to buy for through the Fire Brigade as well. And um, they, do, they, they do this thing at Fire I don't know if you've played it before, but um, what our Fire Brigade crew is going to do is that everyone will bring a Secret Santa gift to training on the 6th of December. And what happens is, if, like, you're the first person, you pick whatever looks great on the table and you open it in front of everyone. And then the yep. second person picks a gift and opens it. And if they don't like their gift, they can steal it from the first person. Oh, the exchange game. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> so in theory, the last person ends up with what they want. It can be very frustrating that game. Can they? Yeah. Like, oh, I finally got something I want. No, because yeah. someone else wants it. <laughs> it. It breaks friendships, doesn't it? So that's yep. that, that's what we're looking at. So I'm thinking, <laughs> do you know what? I really don't give a shit what I get, but what am I going to buy? Get a mug. Get <laughs> yeah. a mug with. World's best boss written on or something. <laughs> that. Something completely unrelated. <laughs> yeah, something completely unrelated. Just be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, like get a mug that says Karen, world's best office staff or something on it. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, it's something that no one's going to steal. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, <laughs> thinking caps on. 
Yeah, well, actually, I'm thinking that. I, I'm, I don't know if I'm. I actually asked that. We said, are we supposed to take like a Secret Santa gift to my end of year Christmas dude this weekend? Because you know, I uh, I had no idea, and the boss said, "Oh no, we've never done anything like that. We usually just get pissed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a better option. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I can agree with that one. Yeah. <laughs> Have you got the Christmas tree up yet? Because normally you guys go to the local uh, Christmas tree farm, don't you, and get a real one? We do, but we usually put it up on around the 1st of December, but it's just not going to work until at least the 4th this year. So because mm-hmm. um, the 1st is Coast Guard Christmas parade thing, and then the next day is we're coming down to see you yep. and do Christmas stuff in Christchurch, and then mm-hmm. we'll be back. And then, yeah, maybe Monday. Maybe maybe Monday night, Tuesday night, somewhere around there. Jeez, life getting in the way of putting up the tree. Ugh. Honestly, mate, lately life has been fucking crazy. <laughs> it's quite amazing uh, what kind of planning goes into putting up a tree in your house, though, isn't it? I said to my wife this year, because we've, we've moved things in different places around our lounge, right? So where we normally put the tree is now our daughter's play corner. So was, my wife and I were just standing in the middle of the lounge, arms folded, standing next to each other, having a very serious conversation about where the tree should go. I'm like, well, it can't go in the corner because that's Elisa's play corner. So where could we put it this time? And we were deliberating for about 20 minutes over where the fucking tree should go. And your little, you got like that little lounge area you've got that's kind of like an off, offshoot. Put it out in there somewhere. What, the dining room, you mean? Dining room area, yeah. Yeah, we'd thought of that. We thought that dining room might be a good spot, but then it's not very visible there. You don't see it when you walk in. So there is, a, there is another little spot. I don't know how well you remember our house, but not far I from the- I do remember the house very well. Not far from the kitchen bench there next to the ranch slider that goes out to the deck. There's a little bit of wall space there, which actually would a tree would go quite nicely in. Oh, yeah, yeah wedge it in there. Should be right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just have, to, just have to make sure I remember it when I come stumbling in after a night out. Or <laughs> <laughs> our champagne breakfast on uh, Sunday morning. Absolutely. That'd Actually, that's good. not a bad idea. Maybe I should bring some, uh, I'll go and buy a bottle of champagne and we can have that with some orange juice. If you're feeling up to it. If you're feeling up to it, though. See how I feel. Yeah. If feeling up to it, I'll shout, I'll shout <laughs> some champagne. Well, it's time for a guest, and it's been a little while since we had a guest on Tradio, but this next guest, his name is Peter. He is one of my former colleagues from St. John. He's gone back into commercial piloting now. He flies in Australia. And I thought it'd be quite good to get him on and see if he can help allay people's fears of flying. So if you have a fear of flying, I'm going to ask him some questions, and he's going to put some minds at ease. He's just jet-setting in now. Peter, welcome to Tradio. It's really good to have you here. In fact, it's been about a year since I uh, first wanted to ask you to be on here. It wasn't too long after we uh, started working together at St. John. I feel honoured. Peter, you're over in Perth at the moment. What are you, five hours behind us, right? That's correct. Five yes. hours difference at the moment due to daylight saving over there. Yeah, and how's, how's life for you? I mean, you're in your happy place. Uh, well, it's actually bloody hot and humid at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you're in your unhappy place. I tell you what, it was. It's not as hot as it was yesterday. Cause yesterday it got up to 39 degrees. Oh god! Oh no! Nice. <laughs> <And> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> at the moment it's only 25 degrees, but it's actually humid. And yep. if I look out out the window to the east, 
I can see the thunderstorm starting to build. So by about oh, 6 no. o'clock tonight, 6, 7 o'clock tonight, there'll probably be thunder and lightning and a few other things going on. Perth thunderstorms are pretty impressive. Peter, just uh, just for the, the sake of it, and you can see you got the mouthpiece on there, just give us your captain's speakers if you're giving us the weather forecast uh, to your passengers <laughs> on the plane, because uh, I can just hear it. Like. Bloody hell. <laughs> if only I ever had a dollar. But you remember, you remember whenever we were at St John together before we started our shift, we'd phone yeah. each other to test our phones, and You'd be like, right, Andy, give me a radio weather forecast, and I'd give you the old forecast, and they'd say, oh, just give me an update on what you're looking at through the cockpit window, and you'd do it. Oh, there we go, then. (laughs) All right, Andy and Oren. Well, good afternoon from the uh, sunny side of Perth. At the moment, the weather is a very uh, humid, a 24 degrees. Fine weather out there and uh, clear skies. For those of you up in the air at about 30,000 feet, uh, good views of the building thunderstorms to the east. Not expecting to come through in about uh, in like a few hours. We shouldn't delay the flight that we go anyway. So I invite you now to just sit back, relax, and enjoy the fine service that is provided by the team. And we'll talk to you before we get to our destination. Very good, well done. very good. Like a consummate professional that he is. So yeah, Peter, look, thanks for coming on. So the reason why I said uh, that I wanted to get you on here was because about a year ago, I was on, happened to be on a flight, so I was heading up north, and yep. there was someone on the seat across the um, aisle from me who was absolutely shitting themselves, and I thought it'd actually be quite right. neat to get someone like yourself on to answer a couple of questions to try and allay people's fears of flying. Yeah. It's it's actually more common than than people realise. Um, when I was working out of Wellington many many years ago, we'd com- we'd commute out of there to start work and and this sort of thing. Quite often you'd sit next to a lot of business people, who and I had got talking to one woman there, and she would actually arrange her business meetings outside of Wellington, based on what the weather forecast was doing. She was that petrified of flying. Mm. Wow. So it is it is far more common than, than you realise. And, you know, we laugh about it because we go, okay, yeah, it's a bit of turbulence, it's like being on a roller coaster. It's not a problem. But for a lot of these people who are used to being in charge, used to being able to control and work out and this sort of thing, it's where, it's where the fear develops and comes from. And it's the fear of the unknown. I can see where you're coming from there because we had a flight going into Dublin years ago, my wife and I, mm. and I remember flying in and it was quite a turbulent, it was kind of almost like going into Wellington, very turbulent flight. The plane was getting thrown around all over the place. And I remember the woman in the seat across from us in the in the aisle, she was petrified, hanging onto the seat. And every time the mm. plane would do a little drop sink sort of maneuver or something, she would scream. Like in the whole, mm. you know, the whole plane was like looking at her going, oh my God. You know? Mm. Yeah, quite often a lot of that comes out of having some sort of situation that happened and it's built on that. Yeah. Um, so she may have been in some sort of incident where that was um, the likely cause was they, the aircraft dropped ten to 15,000 feet. And they were like, oh, my God, that's, that's out of control. Yeah. That's rare. How safe are we when we hit severe turbulence? Like, are the wings going to break? Are they going to fall off? Like, just how – is that actually going to happen? No. When they do the testing and certification of aircraft, they have very defined criteria which they need to meet. And they do what is called non-destructive and destructive testing. So, and there's YouTube videos on it where you go onto the Boeing website and they, you know, you just look up uh, Boeing wing destructive testing. Yeah, and what I've they seen do that. is that's they in, then they then bend eh? the wing yeah. and just put weight on the wing to the point that actually wing breaks, and they measure that amount of force. 
And so they take all this criteria into account, including the flex. You know, there's a, there's a machine there that sits there and just flexes the wing up and down, simulates turbulence and different things until it actually gets to the point where it is cracked and no longer airworthy. And they work out the number of hours. So the aircraft that are certified generally has a minimum of 150% greater uh, than the limitations that are provided to the pilots in the flight manuals. So it's more than double. Whatever turbulence you go through, the aircraft's more than doubly capable of handling or sent to it. Now, the biggest thing is what happens is that people take their seatbelts off or they sit there with it loose or objects fly around. So it's not actually the aircraft itself. It's everything that's within the actual uh, cabin. Everything that's not bolted down. Everything that's <laughs> yeah. not bolted down. Yeah. Yeah. So the suggestion is safety. Put your seatbelt on. Just yep. like in a car. Listen to the pilots. These guys know what they're talking about. Absolutely. So yeah. just at the start yeah. there, Peter, you gave us a bit of a weather forecast. When when you're both sitting in the in the cockpit while people are boarding the plane, uh, obviously you're planning your journey. Are you also looking at, like, how do you plan for storms, for instance? Because sometimes the day before you might not know there's a storm in your way, but suddenly when you're about to go, there's a big storm. What do you do? No, that's not true, Andy. The, we start planning before, like I know tomorrow I'm going to a little place out in the middle, middle of the desert. So I'm already looking at the forecast and the weather and, and that sort of thing, just so I have in um, the back of my mind what sort of conditions you're going to get on tomorrow's flight. Mm-hmm. So the planning is not just when you turn up. The planning basically starts when you get up in the morning, you're sitting with your cup of coffee, having your breakfast before you go to work, before you report. And so you're looking at what the weather pattern is, what it is, and you're generally giving yourself a little bit of a pre-brief before you go and get the most update, up-to-date weather. Because there's more than just the weather. You know, you, how much fuel do you take? What is your passenger load? Yep. Are there any special requirements? If we can't get to the airfield because of the weather being below our, our landing, approach and landing minima, where are we going to go? Uh, is the aircraft okay? Do do engineering need to do work on it? You know, all this sort of thing before it even goes. What what aircraft are you flying? What what what? At, at the moment, I'm flying a Dash Eight. Oh yeah, yeah. The the uh, the truck of the skies. The truck of the skies. <laughs> hey. Who, are you, who are, you, are we allowed to ask? Who are you flying for? A little company called uh, Skippers, who yep. do. Um, Fly and fly out, take all the miners out to the gold fields oh, yeah. and yep. various, you know, into dirt strips, into yep. uh, strips in the middle of nowhere. If you want to see how busy Perth actually is, uh, have a look on Flight Radar. I love uh, the Flight Radar app. I <laughs> I was just looking at it the other day and I was like, oh, there's a helicopter coming from Timaru. And I was like, it'll probably be flying over us probably in about 15 minutes. And I said to my wife, hey, there's a helicopter coming from Timaru. And she was like... So fucking what? <laughs> but I went into the oh, as soon as the heli because it was the rescue helicopter, right? So I was obviously intrigued, yeah. and um, I just stood out in the back garden, waited for it to come over, and then just watched it go. And she's like, "What are you doing? What? There was a helicopter on flight radar. I just wanted to see it for myself." <laughs> um, here's a question: You're almost as bad as me. <laughs> it's, a, it's a brilliant. It's a brilliant, brilliant app. Um, here's one for you, actually, which um, I've just thought of now. But for instance, if you jump onto a small rowing boat and there's like ten people that need to fit on it, and eight of them go to one side and tour on the other, it's going to tip over, right? If you if, because People aren't weighed before they board a plane. What happens if one side of the plane is like three tons heavier with people than the other side? Do you notice that? 
Uh, there is a standard weight. Also, the cabin attendants can reallocate if there's that sort of issue coming on. Right. So, but um, there, there are standard passenger weights, and and generally when checking, and some they look at somebody, and um, if they are, shall we say, uh, without being rude, rather large. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one or, one or two extra pies out of the takeaway shop. Um, <laughs> that's uh, generally. That's there's a note made of it. Consequently, also, like we, uh, if we take um, in a couple of weeks, I'm, I'm going to go down to Esperance, and there's a races down there, so we'll probably take jockeys. Now, jockeys aren't exactly that big. Uh, in fact, I know children. <laughs> Stow your jockey in the overhead lockers. Yeah, so we actually use actual weights. So we'll we'll get them to stand on the scales, and we'll use the actual weights. So it can be done both ways. All the bags are weighed, um, so the so you know what baggage weight there is. Yeah. So because we have defined obviously defined weights, maximum weights the aircraft can mm. take off on, um, and even the standard passenger weights take have a factor built into them as an allowance, so you're not going to exceed. Actually, that's an, uh, something I've always wanted to ask. When you're on a commercial flight, um, they weigh all your baggage and they weigh all the the uh, cargo that's going on, but your passengers that are going on, They're, you know, on a big plane, there might be four or 500 passengers. Do they have like an average weight that they work out and they say, right, the average person is going to be 95 yep. kilos or something, right? Yep. There's, yeah, they use standard, they're what's called standard weights. I think it's every five years. They go through a uh, process of where they take a sample over a certain period of time of everybody's weight as they come through the airport. So they put them on scales. How much? So you know, we're just doing this. So they then check to see whether whether it be ninety five or eighty six or whatever the weight it is, and they come up with standard weights of standard weight yep. of a uh, over the age of sixteen, for example, standard weight of a youth between twelve and sixteen, standard weight of a child, standard weight of a female, and things like that. It's a, there's a hell of a and science. And they also to... have sports weights as well. So obviously your sports team, your rugby team's going to be a little bit heavier oh, yeah. than your average. <laughs> the All Blacks. They're more heavier than average. <laughs> so, so they'll have the, they'll use I don't know I don't know what it is, but um, let's say take for example, um, just plucking it out of the air, they might say, well, okay, the average weight of a uh, rugby player is 115 kilos. Yeah, so such... it means they're going to put an extra so... 30 gallons of fuel on. <laughs> <laughs> Such a science to it, eh? It's quite impressive. It'd be funny, yeah, they're taking the All Blacks over to England. Oh, shit. Bring in another truck. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, we're going to have to make three stops on this one. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, look, yes. Peter, I don't, yeah. I don't want to tempt fate here, but what happens if one or both pilots can't become ill during the flight to the point where they're incapacitated? The only time I've heard of that happening is uh, in the US when there was a pressurisation issue or... Um, there was a 737 accident in Olympia Airways, I think it was, or Olympic Airways, uh, where they forgot to turn the pressurisation on. So mm. they actually went unconscious because of um, hypoxia. So um, that aircraft... That's a bit of a major oversight. Crashed. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. So obviously if both pilots are unconscious at a critical phase of flight, the consequences are fairly severe well luckily but, luckily uh, it's not not something that happens often then it, it's not something that would just happen as a normal run-of-the-mill thing if one pilot goes unconscious or something happens then it's easy enough to, the aircraft are easy enough to fly mm. especially with the autopilot system yep. um, and the automatics that's part of the training process in the simulator as well i'm sure you and i have spoken about i'm sure i've asked you this when we were both mm. at st john together but if there's obviously two of you flying the plane you both have a different meal as well right yep 
they do. Generally, it's uh, most of them will do that. So, uh, and that's done for safety. And generally, same with when you're at the hotel, if you're having a meal before you start work to go flying, it's the same thing. It's just generally accepted that you don't both have the same sort of food. Mm. Have you ever had bird strike when you've been flying, Peter? And and we, I yes, mean, how I many have. how many years have you been flying? It will be over forty years since I started flying. I went oh, I went oh. first solo on June the fifth, nineteen eighty two. Wow. I was not so, even one years old then. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah. Um, but yeah, bird, odds, bird strike. Have you had bird strike? Yes, yes. Bird strikes are, I wouldn't like to say fairly common, but they're a fairly regular occurrence, mostly because they tend to put airfields near, near swamps. the least expensive piece of real estate, and it usually means filling in a swamp, mm. putting it near an ocean. Yeah, well, what do you, what do, you do to deal with bird strikes? Say, say they took out... Both your engines, so if you've got well, a two-engine plane. You know, if, if you want to know what's happened on, you know, you have double-engine failure, yeah. uh, probably the best thing is is have a look what happened with the, they call it the miracle on the Hudson. Yeah. Oh, Sully. Sully, Sullenberger. Yeah. Mm. Airplane still flies. Most aircraft, in fact, all aircraft, unless you're a glider, uh, tend to have a glide ratio of what's called 10 to 1. Mm-hmm. So if every 1,000 feet down, They'll travel ten thousand feet horizontally, or in a, oh. uh, so they are trained to glide. So oh, you get a jet, you get a jet aircraft like your your jet aircraft, your seven three sevens, your Airbus, and this sort of thing. When they descend, they descend at flight idle, mm-hmm. which means there is a residual thrust on there. So effectively, it's just an overly large glider. What's the longest flights you've actually done? Have you done any quite like long haul stuff or? The, probably the longest that I've done would be Auckland Rarotonga or even Tasman, Trans-Tasman. There's probably going to be a lot of pilots, if they listen to this, going to disagree with me. It's not as arduous and as, as stressing uh, and fatiguing as doing uh, quite a number of short sector duties. There's one, one flight we did where we did uh, basically was six, sec- six sectors a day. Went from Brisbane down to a little place called uh, Inverell, then to Narrabri, then to Sydney, and then the reverse on the way back. Uh, yeah. And the, the total distance was about 1,200 nautical miles, which is equivalent of the distance from Auckland to Sydney anyway, maybe a little bit shorter. But you do two of those a week. So, and that was more, um, you know, so when you when you add up your distance, it's not so much the distance, um, it is how many sectors you do yeah. I.e. between airports in the day. <laughs> oh, that's uh, good. That is actually the, the, how, the most How many are you allowed to do a stuff. day? How many, like, sectors do you do a day? Uh, like, um, say a pilot that flies from here to Australia, yeah. New Zealand to Aussie. Would be two, and then back, it would be two sectors. Do, were they allowed to do that in a day? Yep. They oh, yeah. do Christchurch to Brisbane and back. Australia is such an insanely big country. Like when I've flown across it to go to various or go to the other side yep. of the world for various trips, it's like you're just you're just flying over, say, let's just say Sydney for the sake of this chat. Just flying over yep. the top of Sydney now, you're at cruising altitude, you fall asleep, you feel like you've been asleep for twelve hours, you wake up, you're still over. Fucking Australia. Well, <laughs> such a big country. Here's here's how big it is. You could have Somebody leave Perth and somebody leave Christchurch at the same time going to Melbourne. The person from Christchurch would arrive in Melbourne before the person from Perth arrives there. Mm. Holy moly. It's mad. And this is the other thing about Australia as well, is that 
some of because uh, you were just so, talking about some of the different destinations that you fly to, and I'm massively intrigued by some of the Aboriginal names in Australia. The way the way they're spelled, <laughs> the, the way you have to say them is like. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on board this flight. We'll be flying at uh, an altitude of thirty thousand feet, and we'll be landing in two hours in Bing Bong Billabong. Will you bring your bong along? Sit back, enjoy the ride. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a shopping centre um, in Perth here called Karenup, or Karenup is actually the way you sell it, K-A-R-R-I-N-Y-U-P. The Y is silent. Karenup. So why would you have a Y in a name when it's silent? Because so, you say Karenup. Why? Exactly. Why, why exactly? So, but, and then you get places like, okay, you're going to go to uh, Meningibup or uh, Karenup or this sort of thing. And you may well ask why all the Aboriginal names have the up or the nup on the end of it, or the up, the UP. What the up actually is, is it says place of. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Karen up is place of whatever the Karen means. Oh, is that where the place Karens live? Oh, it's the place of Karens. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so there's a little bit of useless information for you. So if you ever come to Australia and look at it, I know why that is. <laughs> But it doesn't work if you go to somewhere like Albany. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is it. I mean, you know, if I tell someone that, I'll be like, why do you know this? And I said, well, a wise old man called Peter told me so many years ago. (laughs) He shared his wisdom and I've never forgotten. Yeah, Oren, you you can't fault Peter's dedication because, as I've mentioned, we used to work together at St. John, and it was a fantastic call handler. He dealt very well with all the patients, but in between calls, if we ever had a break, he had a laptop and he was studying everything he needed to know about flying. He was doing all of his study in between calls. So why the change to doing the St. John call stuff from being a pilot? Did you need a break, or was it because of COVID, or...? Yes, it was because of the latter, because of COVID. Fantastic group of people there. I can't speak highly enough of the people that actually work in that industry uh, and the job they have. And some days it's a very thankless job. Uh, they yeah. are very, yeah. very much underappreciated by the New Zealand public in, in the role they actually play. Mm, 100%. So, and, the, um, and, the, and you got to work with Andy. And I got to work with Andy. Yeah, we had a great time. Was, he can type faster than I can. <laughs> yeah, but the the only the only downside to typing quickly is that I keep adding in random letters into words. So, I <laughs> but no, it was good yeah. times. I read the latest that uh, they're investigating uh, the possibility of uh, making invisible aeroplanes. Oh God! This and is after read the article, I couldn't really see them taking off. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> that joke was just the perfect segue into the dad joke off, and for the first time ever, we're inviting one of our guests into the dad joke off. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. No worries. So, Oren, as I normally ask you, mate, are you keen for a dad joke off? I'm always keen, mate. All right. Peter, are you keen for a dad joke off, or is that a stupid question? <laughs> well, since I started the sedge, why not? <laughs> dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually they're good jokes because we're dads. Excellent. All Would right. you like me to start? Yeah, you go, All mate. Right. You go. How is a push-up bra like a bag of chips? I don't know. As soon as you open it, you realise it's half empty. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
terrible. <laughs> uh, what's yeah. red and bad for your teeth? <laughs> a brick. Oh, far <laughs> out. You're getting worse. Oh, wow, wow, wow. I dropped my phone from top of the roof the other day and it fell onto the concrete and broke. I guess obviously I've forgotten to put it into airplane mode. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good great. one. I like that. Oh, that's that's the Peter I remember. All right, off you go. <laughs> An old lady went into her dentist. When it was her turn, she sat in the chair, lowered her underpants, and raised her legs. The dentist said, "Excuse me, but I'm not a gynaecologist." She said, "I know. I just want you to remove my husband's teeth." <laughs> I once asked an Englishman, a Frenchman, a Spanish man and a German if they could see me. And they said, yes, we see ya. They're getting worse, mate. (laughs) (laughs) This is is not the Andy that I work for. He came up with some goodies when I... (laughs) (laughs) Keeping on an aviation theme, who invented the first aircraft that um, crashed? The wrong brothers. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, How was sex like a game of bridge? Oh, no. If you have a great hand, you don't need a partner. (laughs) I once saw a book called How to Solve 50% of Your Problems, so I bought two. What do you call it when a giraffe swallows a a, uh, toy jet? A plane in the neck. (laughs) (laughs) I love the aviation jokes. It's brilliant. You know, I thought I thought that would just be a good thing to have it on. (laughs) How do cows stay up to date? (laughs) They read a moose paper. <laughs> oh, these are getting worse. Just sticking, sticking That's with animals. Just getting far worse. Yes. They are. <laughs> yeah. we'll, stick, we'll stick with animals then, Oren. What do you call a bear with no ear? Doesn't matter, it can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you're on the animal theme, an oldie bit of goodies always comes back. But what do you call a deer with no eyes? Yeah, well, I think I know this one, but it could be a could be a, a twist. No idea. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is a classic, isn't it? It's a classic. It is always a goodie because there's a story about a, a guy who um, parked uh, his aircraft on the side of a mountain, uh, and he, he wanted to store it overnight because apparently he uh, knew it was going to be a cliffhanger. <laughs> oh, stop it! Oh, stop it. <laughs> what do you call a beehive without an exit? Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, they're getting worse. And worse. Every, worse. Every time we do this, they get worse. Here's my last one. <laughs> I bought a new watch and I got a 25% discount. It only works for 18 hours a day. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it there. 
<laughs> dad jokes are bad jokes, but actually they're good jokes because we're dads. I still think my invisible plan one is the better one. Yeah, that was the best joke. That was great. Mate, we really appreciate your time. Um, I realise you've given us mates, right? So, Oren, we're going to have to go out and do some fundraising or get someone to sponsor the podcast to pay Peter's uh, fee. Um <laughs> <laughs> but no, we really appreciate it, Peter. It was always good, uh, really good oh, to catch up with you again. Yep. Not yeah. a problem. Good to see you, Andy. And uh, how's the new role going, working out anyway? Yeah, it's going all right. I've actually got my assessment this coming Friday. So as soon as I pass that, I'll be a solo call taker. But my mentor, the, the person that's keeping eyes on me at the moment, has cut the cord anyway. They don't really listen to what I'm doing, so... Uh, yeah. Pretty much already already solo in a way, but yeah, I'll get the cord cut fully this Friday, hopefully. So it's all going oh, well. All the best with that, Pierre, and uh, congratulations for being a uh, you. You know, I can see you in a few years actually running the whole fire department because you'll be a little bit here. You work on the trucks. You work as a volunteer. You work in the. You'll be a dispatcher. You'll be into management. So. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate that, You'll mate. Be making making a difference to New Zealand, uh, the fire industry in New Zealand. Oh, thanks, mate. Yeah, appreciate it. No, I definitely in my happy place over there. And here's the crazy part: it's like it's not as busy as St John because you realise that there were some nights where you and I were just back to back calls for the whole twelve yeah. hour shift. Yeah. Um, over in fire, like literally in my first night shift, I had three hours without a single call. <laughs> Hey, I've got a laptop I can sell you. You can use to do some work on it if you need to. <laughs> yeah, make a pillow to work. Andy. Yeah, I have never. <laughs> you can never, fall asleep on your computer screen. <laughs> <laughs> I have never in my life played so much Wordle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, oh Peter, appreciate it, mate. Really good to see you. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Yeah, nice problem. to meet you, Anytime, mate. Andy. Really good to meet you. You too, Oren. It's actually yeah. a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. yeah. Can't wait till see that goes in a couple of days. Yeah, though. it'll be, uh, I think it's, this Thursday, my wife's looking forward to it being shaved off. But yeah, uh, it's, uh, it almost looks like it's starting to get a, a life of its own, actually. It's getting a bit <laughs> I did, out of control. I did, I did see moment. a few things sort of moving in the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. if, I, if I let it go a little bit longer, we're going to be like Luigi. I could just like turn up the ends of it. <laughs> 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 all, all right, right guys on that note i'll leave you to it hey thank you very much for the invite andy uh, no anytime good to have you on mate we'll catch up soon enjoy eh? the skies enjoy the blue all skies right. all the best guys okay. take care oh that was good no he's a good guy he is good mate he's 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 got a heart of gold yeah absolute heart of gold that's the thing with peter is that he he wasn't reading any of those jokes just he taking just, them off the top of his head he just knows them yeah. he was he was on fire um at work to any of our listeners out there if they uh, if they listen to him then uh, hopefully we can calm some of your nerves next time you get on an airline and go flying whether you've got to go and meet family or going on a holiday mm. hopefully next time you're a bit more relaxed about the whole thing Absolutely. knowing that you're in good hands and the aircraft are built by very smart engineers and they know what they're doing and you're safe and i know quite a few of those engineers because that's my job yeah. and uh, they are very smart <laughs> I am so smart. I am so smart. I am so smart. S M A T. I mean S M A R T. Anyway, that's uh, episode fifty-seven, all done and dusted. Really good yarn with Peter. Really good chance to uh, catch up again, mate. So uh, we're going to see you on the weekends. I'm going to leave you though with this thought for the day. Now, while we've been talking about aviation, I thought this one would be pretty apt. Security. 
at every level of an airport is absolutely ridiculous until you get to the baggage claim. Then it's just like, take whatever bag you want. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, mate. Anyway, look, really, really good to catch up. We'll leave it there, eh? Always good. See ya. See you later, mate. Radio.